You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike with the Fin Fans Podcast. Uh, today I've got uh, Jim Johnson with me. Hello all. And I have Matt with me. Matt, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, hey y'all. Yeah, uh, my name's Matt Pope. Live in, uh, currently live in South Carolina. I uh, grew up as a child in uh, South Florida. It's a uh, family history and uh, family tradition being Miami Dolphins fan. So uh, I've been following the team about 30 years now. So looking forward to uh, joining you guys, and this should be a good time, an interesting time, and a definitely a unique time in uh, Finn's history. Yeah, uh, it really started out that way this week. We finally, and I say finally, underlined, bold-faced, capitalized, and everything else, we finally found a way to part with Ryan Tannehill. Um, I can't tell you how excited that made me. Um, you know, nothing personal against the guy. He's a stand-up guy. He's a good human being. He's a good husband. He's probably a good dad. And, he, you know, his heart was in the right place. He's a guy that, you know, I think gave it his all. I think he really did have the team's best interests in mind. He just wasn't a very good quarterback. And I think everybody uh, finally came to that conclusion. This team was not going to win with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, especially at the cap number that they were paying him. I mean, they were paying him like he was Aaron Rodgers, and he's not Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so they decided to finally uh, part ways with him, send him to Tennessee. And, Jim, what do you think about the deal? Hallelujah! Uh, it's like the sun is rising, you know, after a, a long night of mess. But, uh, you know, they... They basically uh, traded a sixth and seventh. They sent a six-round pick, and they're getting a seventh back uh, from Tennessee this year. And then we actually get a fourth-round pick next year for them to take Tannehill off our books. Yeah, and, that was something for nothing, as far as I'm concerned. And and I, you know, we've been talking about this for six months. You know, what what are they going to do with Tannehill, and what are we going to get, and what's his value, and my comment was we'd be lucky to get a ham sandwich for him. And, you know, uh, a fourth-round pick is a damn good return as far as I'm concerned. When you when you look at his body of work over the last six or seven years, uh, I was very surprised that they got that fourth-rounder for him. You know, what I think is even bigger than that is the $25 million cap hit that they lost in 2020 because of the trade. Uh, yeah. they they won't get hit with that twenty five million dollar charge. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's there's no downside to this as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, so to me that was the biggest part of their their return. I mean that was that was sweet uh, because if you cut him, you're going to have to pay that, and you don't want to go that route if you don't have to. And they found a way not to do that. What do you think of the deal, Matt? Yeah, I think it's good. Uh, I think it was time to. Uh you know, rip off that Band-Aid or that scab, however you want to look at it, of uh, Tannehill and just make the break and uh, move on to the future. Uh, you know, now we're bringing in the new quarterback as the uh, stopgap in between when we ever get our future quarterback. So I think the time was right to just uh, make the cut now and not have to worry about quarterback controversy in the future. When we get our quarterback, he will be our quarterback. And, uh, you know, we're a ride or die with him. 
Yep, uh, no doubt. Uh, now, you know, they, they uh, paid some of Tannehill's salary, and that, that helped the deal go through, and that's why they got a fourth-round pick in return. Uh, and as we speak, they're looking to do the same thing with uh, Robert Quinn. Uh, I guess they're talking to the Saints, and they're talking to Dallas, and they're talking to whoever else they're talking about, uh, you know, the trade to. So we'll see what happens with that as, as we go forward. Now, anybody that's been paying attention knows that the team has parted ways with uh, Cameron Wake. They parted ways with Juwan James. They uh, parted ways with uh, Josh Sitton, Frank Gore, and Andre Branch. So they, you know, picked up quite a bit of uh, salary cap room doing that. Jim, there was a couple of guys that they they visited with and, and tried to sign and couldn't do it. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we can touch on those guys. Uh, you know, the quarterback position is basically the most important position on a football team. And, you know, we're talking about moving on from Tannehill, and there was a lot of talk about who we're going to get, and let's let's get Teddy Bridgewater, let's get Tyrod Taylor, let's bring in uh, Nick Foles, anybody, anybody. that Everybody was bringing up names, and it was all over the gauntlet. And, you know, we weren't going to spend much money on a quarterback. And most of these quarterbacks that are out there – if they're any good, are going to get their $20 million a year. So we're not going to sign, you know, Bridgewater, and, and we're not going to sign Tyrod Taylor most likely because he's going to want more than, than what we're going to pay. Uh, we had Tyrod in, we had Bridgewater in, and we couldn't come to an agreement. And there's really only one reason is there wasn't enough money for him. And... You know, I've got to have a lot of confidence in, in Greer and Flores for not wanting to push the button when somebody wants another $2 million over what they're offering. So i gotta, I got to applaud these guys for sticking to their guns. And, you know, they ended up making a deal with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, it's fairly team-friendly for a veteran quarterback that knows how to run the huddle. So... You know, another name that, that a lot of fans were talking about was, was Kaepernick. And they said, oh, bring him in, bring him in. He just wants to play. He just wants a chance. Well, he wanted to play. He wanted to have a chance, but he wanted his $25 million a year. So, uh, you know, that's just yeah, not... he wanted life-changing money like Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, you know, and, and that's fine. I get it if you want to go for that. But, you know, if the dude really wanted to play football, he'd... You know, he'd take a deal for for less money just to for a prove it deal, uh, and he just wants it all his way. And you know, it's just not happening. And I have to applaud the Dolphin staff because they haven't gone head over heels for somebody and overspent, which is the bottom line. And another another guy everybody wanted early was uh, Trey Flowers from the Patriots, a great player and all. Uh, but you know, at, I think he got like $17 million, uh, you know, it's just not worth it right now in this time. So, uh, they stuck to their guns and they didn't overspend. And, uh, I think it's going to pay dividends for the next couple of years. What are your thoughts, uh, Matt? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, the, I like, uh, Trey Flowers, but he's not worth $17 million, especially at this time in our uh, history with the fans in our team right now. Uh, I think we really are following the Patriots' uh, path. You know, we're trading away our players, our older players, that are not going to 
help us win three years from now anyways and getting draft, pack, draft picks uh, in exchange for them. And uh, that's exactly what the Patriots do. I mean, they lose all these players and they get their comp picks and uh, they just, you know, plug and play. And I think we're really starting to emulate the Patriot way. Uh, but, you know, of course, our own version of the Finns way. Yeah, we can call it the Finns way. And I hope it stays the Finns way because it's the way that Greer and uh, Flores should be running the business. Uh, the idea is to make a profit, not work at a loss. And when you're when you're losing players because you're up against the salary cap, you're operating at a loss. You're better off uh, uh, cutting these older guys and cutting these expensive guys, starting over, clearing the books, and uh, signing people to proper contracts. And uh, you're going to lose a couple of players that way, but that's okay. Um, you have to sign 53 players, and you need 53 players to be a team and 53 players that can play. Uh, they don't have to be all-stars, but they have to be capable. And we've had a lot of players come through here because we couldn't afford better that just were not capable. And when the starters, frontline starters go down, we've had guys in there that really just can't play and don't belong in the league and uh, played like it. And that causes you to lose games. So, you know, you've got to be a stronger roster. And I think that what they're doing now is going to give them a stronger roster, 53 players deep, and that's the way you win. Yeah, and a lot of fans are kind of butthurt right now. I mean, it does uh, suck losing Cam Wake and them guys, but well, a I don't year, think two Cam years was from really now, problem, when we yeah. have a hundred and ten and a hundred twenty million of cap space, and we can really uh, plug the holes when where we need to, uh, the fans are going to turn around real quick. Yeah, I was just saying, I don't think Cam Wake was really the problem. I I think that, you know, it was just a combination of salary and age. You know, like you said, he's not somebody that's going to factor into the team two, three years down the road. So they made the decision to, uh, you know, talk to him and, and let him know what their stance was. And it was actually his decision to leave. They did not kick him out. He he decided to leave. So, and same thing with Amendola. They did not kick Amendola out uh you know, they told him where they were at, and evidently he didn't want to be part of a rebuild. So that's where they left with with, with uh, those players. So, uh, but they did make some signings. They they uh, signed uh, Eric Rowe and Dwayne Allen and Clive Wilford, Chris Reed, and uh, re-signed Devontae Parker. Uh, how do you guys feel about those moves? I'm a little bit. Uh concerned maybe about how many tight ends that we can put on the field uh, but obviously these are the guys that they found and presented themselves at the certain time it's I don't think they went out and obviously shopped for for tight ends I just think these were guys that became available and you know a deal could be struck that wasn't a lot of money and it gives them options yeah, you know, you go to camp with 90 players. Just because they signed a couple of tight ends doesn't mean they're both going to make the team. Exactly, and that's what I mean. You know, these are these are hard-working tight ends that can block and run routes and, and do do everything fairly well. They're not all-stars by any means, or they, or they would have had big, fat contracts with another team. But, you know, they're just solid players, and I think that's what we need to, to execute the offense and see what see what we can do uh the Devonte parker thing I, i'm pretty burned out on him i mean i've watched him 
be fragile and broken and not all that motivated, it seems. Yeah, we uh, talked a little bit about him last week, so I yeah. get it. Uh, uh, but I, I, after thinking about it and sitting on it for a week, do you feel any better about them uh, resigning him or no? Well, I, I don't know. I'm still on the fence about it. I'm I'm kind of okay with it because he does still have a lot of potential. Uh, and if he can actually stay healthy... Uh, big if. And, 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 yeah, it is a big if, but there's also there's another if involved. Quarterback. Uh, what if he didn't want to play for that quarterback? Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, granted, he had the year with Jay Cutler, but so that should have been a spark. But I don't know. I just, I just can't get a read on Devontae Parker. I, I see a lot of talent and not a lot of... Go get it out there on the field. So I don't disagree with you, but I think that uh, Gase's offense did him no favors. Um, how do you see it, Matt? Yeah, I'm a little bit okay uh, with it uh, because uh, unlike some of these other players, at least he is basically playing on a prove-it deal, saying I'll come back at a more team-friendly cap number. My second year is a team option, uh, so I will come prove myself under the new coach and uh you know show you what i got at a, a friendlier cap number and uh you know gives flexibility to the team if he doesn't cut it this year he's gone next year so uh i will give That's him it. a little props for that yep there's really no risk uh none whatsoever and it's only a two-year contract, so by the time they are ready to compete, they can either have him replaced or he's playing at a level high enough to where it's worth keeping him. Now, the big news of this week, of course, was the signing of uh, Fitzpatrick. I'm kind of excited about it. I, you know, I think it was a pretty good signing, all things considered. Uh, he's, a, he's a savvy veteran who is going to be able to help mentor the younger quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, if, if they draft a rookie this year, he'll be able to help him along. Uh, so I kind of think that was a smart decision. You know, I don't expect miracles. I don't think he's going to come in and win a whole bunch of games like a lot of people do, simply because that's not his M.O. You know, he's he's not a guy that wins a lot of games. He's, uh, he's a little less than a 500 quarterback, I guess. Uh, but he's certainly capable of getting hot, and he's capable of winning four or five in a row, and who knows what will happen. How'd you guys feel about that signing? Yeah, I think it's a situation of it is what it is. It's a, it is what it, it is. It is a veteran quarterback signing, a guy that uh, we know is not the long-term answer or even the uh, mid-term answer. He's a short-term uh, plug player to get us through. He does have a locker room presence from his time in Tampa. You see a lot of players really uh, went to bat for him and said he should be our quarterback so he does have a level of respect in the in the locker room, which I think yeah. will be good. And I think, you know, with Fitzpatrick and the uh, tight end from uh, New England that we signed, I don't even think a lot of these players are based on their on-the-field performance. I think a lot of these signings are locker room presence and how they can guide – the young younger players through the next couple of years until we really get back into the swing of things in our uh, as we go to contend for championships in a couple of years. Yeah, they're all grinders, every one of them. Uh, what do you think, uh, Jim? How do you feel about uh, Fitzpatrick? 
Well, anybody that can pull off that beard for this long is gotta gotta have some moxie to them. So, <laughs> you know, in the in the beginning, my knee jerk reaction was, "What in the wide world of sports are we doing?" Um, but the more I look at it, the more I kind of like it. Uh, you guys both touched on it. You know, he's a good locker room guy. You know, uh, he's able to get on a tear and play some great ball. Uh, you know, he is a gunslinger. And he's kind of opposite of what Ryan Tannehill has become. You know, everybody calls him Mr. Checkdown. Uh, but, you know, he's capable. He, I mean, not capable, but he throws a lot of 300-yard-plus games. Uh, some of them are in losing efforts because he throws some interceptions here and there. But he puts a lot of yards up most times. Uh, this is something that Tannehill struggled with doing. Uh, you know, a lot of his games that had you know, some big yardage in it uh, from Tannehill was because Wilson or Grant turned a, a three-yard pass into a 80-yard, you know, touchdown or something. So this guy, you know, he could he could do some damage to some other teams. If, if we get Parker that's on an incentive-based deal that he wants to reach some uh, incentive numbers to make himself a few extra million dollars, well, he's going to want it. So, And Fitzpatrick has got incentive bases in his salary. So, you know, they're not high-dollar guys, and they've got kind of prove-it-based contracts. So, hey, let's give it a whirl and see what happens. Absolutely. You know, it's it's about uh, can they put an offensive line together that will allow everybody else to do their thing? Well, uh, if, if they can do that, then I think Fitzpatrick's going to be fine. Well, the thing is, you know, a lot of teams get by without, a uh, you know, an all-pro offensive line. Uh, you know, you can have a weakness here or there, and you, you coach around it, you play call around it, you do this, that, or the other. Uh, and it just seemed that we were hamstrung with Tannehill uh, because he couldn't really adapt very well to a defense that, that knew what to do to rattle him. Uh, I think Fitzpatrick will handle that kind of stuff a little bit better than Ryan did. Uh, he may throw just as many interceptions, uh, but he can at least manage it. Um, we did just sign Chris Reed, a, a guard, and he's another you know, work boot type of guy that's uh, a solid guy and he's a grinder and, and he wants a chance to be an NFL starter. And those are the kind of guys that you, you, you need, the guys that want it. And, hey, you never know. If you get, if you get five or six guys in here that really want to play and, and can, you know, can manage a, a few defensive tackles, then, hey, you never know how it'll play out. You never know. That's why they go to training camp. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, is he is he uh, Jake Brindell or is he a Richie Incognito? You know, we don't know. We're not going to know until we see him play for a while. We need young and hungry players. Absolutely. Yeah, and he's he's like uh, twenty six, I think, and uh, yeah. you know, he's he's got some potential there. I'd I'd like to see him step up. I think we all would because we certainly need guards. Uh, now, evidently, they have him, I'm, I'm guessing, slated to play left guard. Uh, that's where he's played most. Yes, yes, that's the that's the plan at this point, I think. But yeah. hell, hell, they've only got three guards in the building, so they're going to be bringing in a, at least another half a dozen, I would guess. <laughs> well, I don't know if they'll go with half a dozen, but I would think at least, at least three more. You would probably have uh, three rotations, and then maybe, you know, one or two practice squad knowledgeable type guys. 
uh, you know, through camp, and then you see how it falls out. I wanted to say something, you know, because we use the term tanking, and we use the term rebuilding, and to me, they're interchangeable. Uh, you know, the, the connotations around tanking is you're losing on purpose. Well, this team's not going to lose on purpose. No team loses on purpose, really. Uh, but they don't necessarily set themselves up to win. And that's what you're seeing with Miami. They're not signing the high-dollar free agents. They're not uh, going out after the better players. They're, they're bringing in the blue-collar players. They're trying to fill out a roster. Uh, those better players will come, but they're going to come through the draft. And uh, uh, once they have some cap money to spend, maybe they'll buy one or two or three as, as the situation dictates, you know, as, as they see the need. But uh, uh, they're going to go into next season, and their goal is not going to be to win a lot of games, but that doesn't mean they won't be trying to win. There's a difference. And I don't think if you're trying to win, you're really tanking. But to me, the terms are almost interchangeable in, in this sport because in order to rebuild, you almost have to tank to a certain extent because you're getting rid of your better players. You're getting rid of uh, uh, your high-dollar players. So those are your better players. So... You're not putting the best team on the field that you could have had you not done that. So, in a sense, you are trying to lose, but not really, if that makes any sense. So, no, I think you're right on there. Uh, the Dolphins will not be trying to lose, but exactly as you said, they're not in the best position to win either. Right. And that's intentional, and that's because they're rebuilding, you know. So is is that really tanking? Well, people are going to call it that. You know, sports writers are going to call it that, and I understand it. But it's not really 100% accurate because they're not going to go into Sunday trying to lose. Yeah, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a crapshoot, you know. I mean, the way I look at it is they're just not going to overspend for players. And... You know, you can't go reach, you know, go shopping for all these all-star players because you have to, somebody's going to overpay them. Uh, so, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to decide that you can't overpay, well, now you're going to have to settle for not the top talent. Uh, so, you know, that ends up showing up at the end of the season on the win and loss column. Uh, you know, the more talented teams often win. So if you look at it like that, they're not trying to lose, but they're also not spending to win right now. So they're going to try to win the games or else they wouldn't have all these incentive-based contracts for Fitzpatrick and, and some of these exactly guys right. they've brought in. Be, you know, th these guys... I mean, if you can make an extra $4 million if you reach a 1,000 yards receiving or if you hit 20 uh, touchdown passes, you're going to try your ass off to do that. And those type of things end up putting wins in the, in the win-loss column. So uh, it's, it's kind of it's hard to say how this season's going to play out. I don't think we have to say. I mean, you know, it's going to play out the way it plays out. This is something we've not done before, and this is a road we've not traveled before. So, you know, it could be a two-win season. It could be an eight-win season. We really don't know. It's going to depend on what they do in the draft, what they find after the draft, and how everything comes together in training camp. Uh, I think by the end of uh, preseason, we'll have a better idea what we have. So I, I wonder if everybody that's listening has uh, liked and commented on the podcast. Um, 
I saw a few comments this week, but certainly not nearly as many as we've had listened. So hopefully you guys that are listening can take a moment and do that for us. Um, and uh, subscribe to it if you haven't, and uh, like it if you haven't, because that, that helps, guys. Now, uh, you guys have anything else you'd like to add? I'd just like to let everybody know that, uh, you know, we started this podcast from a Facebook group called Miami Dolphins, hashtag number one, uh, Miami Dolphins number one. Uh, we're on there 24-7 talking Dolphins football, and we post the news as soon as we get it. And, uh, you know, it's a great place to talk Miami Dolphins football. So go ahead and sign up over there, and uh, we'd be glad to have you. And, you know, Mike mentioned it. You know, share the heck out of this podcast. You know, put it on Twitter and Facebook and, and get it out there and like and share, and uh, let's get this thing built up. There you go. Uh, anything else you wanted to add, Matt? No, like I said earlier, glad to be here. Uh, it's going to be an interesting time, uh, especially over the next couple of years. So uh, hold on to your bootstraps because here we go. Here we go. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight. And everybody out there, thanks for listening. And uh, I got a big fins up for you. Fins up. Fins up. <laughs> <laughs>